Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations on the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Welcome in. Sports Tonight, our college football talk. We're here for our BSL college football analyst, Mike Lowe. Mike, another week of action in the books. This past weekend, we saw Washington get the home W versus Oregon. Maybe the most entertaining game of the year so far. A couple questions here. Did you like Oregon's head coach Dan Lanning's decision-making in this game? Very aggressive. Uh, Oregon's remaining schedule, uh, Washington State at Utah, California, USC at Arizona State, and Oregon State in the uh, uh, rivalry there. So uh, one question was, did you like Dan Lanning's decision-making? The other question being, what percentage chance do you give the Ducks to run that gauntlet without adding a uh, second loss? So uh, what are your thoughts hey, there? Yeah, hey, hey you know, what, well, first, I, what were your impressions on that game? I, I, I thought it was probably the best game of the season so far. Yeah, I thought I thought uh, Landing lost a game. That's my my, my impression. It was, uh, well, uh, <laughs> you know, being, being out here in Oregon, um, I can tell you he has faced a lot of questions um, as far as you know whether he he made the. I'm not going to say the right choices because obviously they're not the right choices when they don't work out. Maybe I'm not the best one to ask because I've always kind of been partial to coaches who take that aggressive approach, um, you know, especially big moments in big games. Um, so, you know, I'm a little bit biased there and maybe I'm a little more contrarian than a lot of people who tend to take the, you know, think they should be more conservative and, and take the points that are there for them. I Re- say, regional people, uh, disagree my, my my take is that and just had this discussion on uh on the bank uh you can listen to that podcast as well uh it's a discussion that every football fan is having each week and, and oh my- i know i you know i know i'm sure john harbaugh gets lit <laughs> up pretty regularly for and you know he cites the analytics and i know the analysts you know apparently they do back it up I don't necessarily do it because of the analytics. I just like I just like an aggressive, high risk, high reward type of approach. I think it makes football more fun. That's just my it, personal opinion. Yeah, I, I. So where I was going with that is, from my opinion, is that it varies on on opponent and uh, game situation. So the uh, point I made on. I'm sorry if you listen to the bank and listening to this and hearing me be repetitive, but for me, it's. I'm tired about hearing about win probability numbers because they don't take account in every instance because they can't. They're not taking into actual game situation in terms of what do you have, what does the opponent have. They're taking a, a, a gajillion previous situations and saying this is what you would get typically, but that doesn't factor in in-game realities, which have no, to be yeah. – no, you're exactly right, and I agree with you 100% there. And so I'll, I'll dive a little bit more into into the three big fourth down calls that he made. And I liked I liked two of them. One of them I did not like, um, and that was before it was unsuccessful. I, you know, I just knew he was making the wrong choice there. The one I didn't like was that one right before halftime, 
when, uh, and again, this is taking into account situations, uh, variables that win probabilities and analytics typically don't account for. I thought he should have taken the three points there. The reason I thought he should have taken it is because you hear coaches talk about how they like uh, the ones who win the toss and defer to take the ball to start the second half. They like to get that score at the end of the first half, get the ball in the second half, and then score again. And a lot of times you can make a two-score swing there, you know, before your opponent ever touches the ball. And Oregon got was going to get that ball, and they, and they did. They got the ball to start the second half. And so in that situation, to me, as much as it might go against Dan Landing's ethos, I take the three points there knowing you're also going to get the ball to start the second half. And then maybe uh, if the situation presents itself, take a little bit more of an aggressive approach at the start of the third quarter to go for the touchdown over, you know, field goal or punting. But I think he should have taken the three points there. The other two times, uh, you know, another one, he passed up a field goal. And um, and then there was that one towards the very end of the game, which I didn't really disagree with at all. And he he's made similar calls in the past. He did it against Washington last year. He did it in a game against Oregon State. Going forward on fourth down rather than trying to pin Washington deep. So they had a longer field uh, to go for the go-ahead touchdown. They ended up scoring. They went something like you know, 50-some yards in two plays. Um, so I think he may have uh, serendipitously made the right choice there to turn it over near midfield because he actually left himself more time. And they were at least able to get themselves in position for a reasonable field reasonable field goal now they missed it but you know had they pushed them back even farther maybe by the time they get the ball back down three points they don't really have much of a chance to get the field goal position um so i i i completely agree with what you say about that chris i think there there's more to making those decisions than analytics and uh they just don't tell the whole story you gotta have the feel for the game um, you know, where, where's your defense? For instance, you know, if is your defense worn out? Are they are they have they been playing well and now all of a sudden they're struggling because they've been on the field for a ton of plays? You have to adjust for that sort of thing. Are you at home or away? Or you know, are you facing a hostile crowd or a friendly crowd? Um, the one before halftime, you know. Taking three points uh, there, you know, maybe Washington feels like they got a bit of a victory, but you know, they felt they were really fired up when they stopped them there at the goal line. And so, you know, and, and Oregon, you know, I think they went three and out when they got the ball back in the third, you know, they got that third quarter kickoff. I don't know how much momentum can carry over 20 minutes when the teams are sitting in the locker room. Um, but that was the one of the three that I did not like. The arguments that are consistently made, all games is that you hear a lot is uh, if you're going to be aggressive and you're making the argument, the idea is, hey, we got to max out. We got to get every possible point there, you know, directly. So we're going to make them stop us uh, four times. We're going to go for everything. And for me, you know, it really depends on the opponent's situations. There's times I would be more aggressive, but in general, uh, where my feeling would be is if I'm not trailing, I want to take definitive points if it's a, uh, it's available until I'm in a situation where 
yeah, necessarily have to go for it. But I did see him uh, quoted after the game. He said, look, this is our mindset. We were going to be aggressive. This is who we are. Bottom line, wherever you are, if that it didn't cost them too much. They played a, a tight game against a very good team on the road. They had an opportunity to win. They're not going to drop too far in the overall CFP rankings when they come out. They're I mean, going to the have NP only dropped them one spot in the polls. Right. So they're going to have an opportunity. Bottom line is, can they run the gauntlet? So that's the second part of the question yeah. there. Uh, can they avoid a second loss, or do you look at that schedule and think there's a second loss coming? Uh, you know, it, it's it's certainly not an easy one. Um, but. You know, I think, uh, and and we'll, we might dive into this a little later when we get into our picks for the week. Um, you know, they, they've got five games left. They've got Washington State at home, at Utah, uh, Cal and USC at home, at Arizona State, Oregon State at home. That's a tough lineup. Um, and yet at the same time, I could conceivably see them being favored in every one of those games with the possible exception of that road trip to Utah. That's going to be a tricky one. And um, again, we can talk about that later, but you know, there's some question marks surrounding Utah right now. Um, but again, you know, I, I could see them being favored in all five of those games. Um, but at the same time, cool. they could definitely, you know, there's a couple of those they could definitely drop. Uh, what, uh, tough. Six USC. six games six games left there, but did I miss? Yeah, you're so, right that. yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, but it's, you know, six games, and they they should be favored probably in all of them except for the Utah maybe game. the Utah game. I can see them being a a, a slight underdog there. Uh, yeah, we'll be interested. They have yeah, the you know, they, they have the opportunity. They, they lost their margin for error. Um, you know, which Washington presumably still has as long as their loss isn't too ugly. But, uh, you know, after what we saw from USC last weekend, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how much I, I think they're going to go into Eugene and pull out a win. Um, like, I guess Oregon State part, we, is never going to be – that's not going to be a cakewalk by any means. So the other part of the discussion, you know, maybe we'll save it for another week would be – Let's say uh, Oregon does run the gauntlet. They get back into the title game against Washington. Let's say Washington was undefeated. Uh, Washington won the, uh, the home game. This would be on a, I believe, would be on a neutral field in the in the yeah Las field. Vegas Vegas right. So then let's say Oregon wins a close game. You know, how do you uh, differentiate between the two of them at, at, at that point? So we'll keep that for another day. With yeah, 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 yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll put that in our back pocket. And as it turns out, maybe it'll be a moot point anyway. But uh, that might be one worth revisiting at some point. Uh, Georgia, we talked about Brock Bowers there. Uh, uh, Bailey Hood tight end last week actually getting some Heisman consideration. I saw Kuiper has him fourth overall on his big board and unfortunately has been lost to injury. Uh, not a lot of analysis needed to say this hurts Georgia. I guess my question is just how much do you think? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, yeah. I mean, first of all, let, let, let's address the, you know, the, the human part of this. It's really a shame for Bowers because I, I really thought, you know, he could have been a Heisman finalist. Um, and what we know of his injury, it was a high ankle sprain. 
and what I read, the surgery they typically do for that sort of thing, you can expect about a three to six week recovery period. Um, so it's possible he could, uh, you know, be healthy enough to return before the end of the regular season, or, it, you know, it could be likely that he's not available until sometime, you know, if, if not, you know, maybe the SEC championship or, you know, if not that, this, you know, postseason, uh, bowl game, CFP, which, whatever. Um, but, you know, it, the interesting question here, of course, now we're, we're in the era where obviously, as you mentioned, you know, Mel Kuyper has him as an early first round pick, very early. Uh, does he even want to come back? Uh, this is the era of opt-outs where, you know, athletes are trying to protect their, their draft status. And part of doing that is protecting their health. Um, a high ankle sprain is obviously not going to impact his draft status. He should be good to go when it comes time to go to the combine, work out for teams and things like that. Um, the question is, does he want to return to play with Georgia um, does he, does he kind of, you know, because they have a shot at a national title playoff again, all that's on the table, does he, you know, maybe come back a little bit earlier or does he, or is he already rehabbing approach and say, I'm done, you know, I, I've, I've played all the college ball I'm going to play and I'm, I'm going to get ready for the draft now. So I, I think that's a question to consider. Now, I don't, you know, I've not really seen anything in the way of quotes from Bowers himself or anybody at Georgia from what his uh, thinking along those lines is. I don't know. Have you seen anything, Chris? No, I, I haven't. Um, yeah, I did see some talk from the Georgia program, the idea that he could return, but I would anticipate a, uh, you know, a high end draft pick like that will probably start his rehab uh, on enroll and start getting ready for, for the draft. But, you know, he has been around the program. He has won. So uh, maybe he'll be the guy that wants to, uh, you know, have another shot of the, uh, at a free beat and another ring there. So it, it really depends on the individual. But I, I think in this era, we're definitely seeing most of the players are going to opt, uh, you know, <laughs> to, to be done. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I mean, I certainly don't fault him for whatever choice he makes. It's it's a personal choice. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's it's his his and his choice only to make. Um, but, you know, I, I, I just wanted to bring that part up first before we talk about how this affects Georgia. Um, you know, as far as, uh, you know, how it does affect the Bulldogs, obviously it has to affect them. Um, uh, you know, he was far and away their, their top receiving threat. Um, you know, Carson Beck uh, has kind of taken some steps forward, I think, during the course of the season. Um, I just go back to that Kentucky game uh, two weeks ago when he really did a good job of spreading the ball around. Um, you know, Bowers led the team with, uh, I think, seven receptions that game. But there were a lot of, you know, several other guys that had, you know, four, five, six catches. He, he did a good job of spreading the ball. So I think he can do it. And obviously now it's become a necessity rather than a luxury that, you know, he's going to have to find other receivers. Um, if we're talking about odds here, you know, 
when it comes to really impacting a team's uh, playoff odds, um, you know, the, the one that's going to impact it the most is if you lose your quarterback, especially if you don't have a, an experienced viable backup. Um, but, you know, Brock Bowers isn't your typical non-quarterback. So I think this would probably decrease their odds somewhere on order of maybe 5% um, uh, of getting to the playoff, which is, it's not a huge amount, but at the same time, if they end up going against somebody who matches up fairly well against them, that, that 5% is by no means insignificant either. Um, yeah, certainly. Their schedule, uh, gets, their schedule does get a little bit tougher now. Uh, than it has been so far this season. So, um, you know, we, we already had some questions about their offense this year. Uh, they were partially answered in that Kentucky game. And now uh, with Bowers gone for, you know, at least the next several games, um, those questions are going to come up again. Certainly a, a loss for them. Of course, they it's Georgia and they recruit at – in a elite level. I mean, they're stacked with talent. There's, and there's no the next tight end up is Oscar Delp, who was ranked as the number one tight end prospect nationally. Uh, so, so yeah. Uh, I, I imagine, uh, and behind him, I imagine there's somebody else that uh, you know uh, that's also uh, ready yeah. to go. Uh, ESPN's playoff predictor as to four teams, the best odds to reach the CFP as Oklahoma, Ohio State, Florida State, and Washington. Does that feel right for you? Um, I would say on three of four, it feels right to me. And um, I know we're going to get into this, but um, I've got uh, some things to say about Ohio State here. Um, Oklahoma, I can, I can see it. Um, I, I would probably say the same right now, but my gut says uh, they're headed for a rematch in the Big 12 um, title game with Texas. And I'm, right now, my gut kind of tells me Texas is going to end up getting their revenge in that game and they'll claim a, a CFP spot over Oklahoma. Uh, but we'll see. Um, you know, that's, that's just kind of me looking at a crystal ball. Um, yeah, Florida State and Washington, um, you know, I, I think they, they have, uh, you know, their paths are pretty broad there. Um, you know, both of them have a, a margin of error still that they're able to work within. Um, so, I, you know, I can certainly see them having the highest odds right now. Um, Ohio State, and you know, maybe we'll talk about this when we get into their picks. But I, I see a big work there that I don't like, and right now I would put Michigan ahead of them easily, without question. I would put Michigan ahead of them, despite the fact Michigan hasn't played anybody yet. So taking the four aforementioned teams: Oklahoma, Ohio State, Florida State, and Washington, and adding. Michigan, Penn State, Bama, Georgia, Texas. Uh, which offense do you like best? Uh, Rapid fire here. Yeah, you know, I I got to go with Washington. I mean, they just look so unstoppable. Um, you know, their, their running game is, yeah, but my God, when you can throw the ball like they do, who needs a running game? Um, you know, it's almost like just a, a, a little bit of a footnote there. So, you know, definitely like Washington's offense. Uh, um, out of that group, which uh, defense do you like the best? 
<sighs> Give me Georgia. It's yeah. Till I see otherwise, it's it's Georgia. They're just they're just always stacked, and they just reload. And is there a coaching staff out of that uh, group that you question? Uh, you know, um, I, James Franklin. I, I just I haven't seen him get it done yet. And I, and again, we're going to talk about you know Penn State here soon. Um, but I just I I don't know. And they, you know they they actually they don't recruit quite at the elite levels as, you know, the Georgias, Ohio States and all those. But, you know, I, I, I kind of feel like they've left, uh, they, they, they should have done better than they have lately. So uh, I'm not There's been sure some skin that. on the bone that they, you know. Oh. Yeah, there, there's meat yeah. on the bone there that I feel like they, they might leave from time to time. Uh, you know, you get those games like uh, that one last year against Illinois. Um, you know, Illinois was a good team last year, but they had no business losing to them at home. That was ridiculous. Yeah, it sounds familiar. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Next subject. <laughs> uh, would you be more or less interested in the season as is if the CFP playing field was uh, 12 teams this year? Yeah, I, I think it's always more interesting, you know, the more inclusive it is. Uh, you know, you can just – you, you can at this time of year, you know, anybody can still get knocked out because, you know, yeah, you might get some three loss teams in the 12 team field, but um, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But I've, you know, obviously we're talking all the teams that you, know, you mentioned in your last question, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Florida State, Washington, Michigan, Penn State, Alabama, Georgia, Texas, they're all in right now. No question about it. Even Oregon. They're still in right now. Um, and then, you know, you, you stick in one G5. I'm, might be Air Force, actually. Air Force, or I think Tulane played their way back into the top 25, too. One of those two would, um, you know, steal one of the 12. But, um, you know, so I think there's just going to be a lot more discussion when you have more teams that are in the mix. Um, so that always makes it fun. But, you know, I, I still like – the four-team format. I'm not a four-team hater. I'm, I've always thought that, uh, you know, when you expand and you get to 12 teams, the the drop-off between the best team in college football and the fifth team in college football is a lot more steep than the drop-off from that 15 to the 11th or 12th team. So I still think you're, you're uh, just looking at a narrow set of teams that are going to emerge from uh, the 12 as the as the winner. Um, I think we're going to see yeah, more, that's how I, I think I still I think we're going to see more upsets as time goes on, Mike. Uh, I think we'll see upsets in that five, in those five to twelve range. I don't think we're going to see as many in, in when you get down to the, the the top four, but we'll see. Well, my rationale would be right now in the bowl season, the best teams have a month to prepare. And when they're playing on a more weekly basis, uh, I think then then you have a chance for uh, uh, both attrition, but also just for randomness. Uh, okay, you know the 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 best team. You're right. Uh, there is a and remember the top four teams get a buy too, right? So they get they get that extra time to rest and you know, prepare. Yeah, and they're still gonna have that week, but and that'll 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 matter versus teams that have been playing the week before. I would would 
be curious if you looked back at uh, you know one double A or FCS and looked at uh, their history. Uh, how, uh, what is the upset percentage for uh, uh, for, for them in the season? I don't know how much that applies. I I don't know what the you know I don't follow FCS close enough to know you know how much separation there is between somebody like North Dakota State who you know seems to constantly winning titles there and say you know the 10th or 11th best fcs team um if that degree of separation is similar is great to what we or see in fps or yeah. not I, I i honestly don't know that and i'd be interested i i should probably maybe dig into that when i get a chance uh games of the week uh penn state ohio state you said you had some ohio state thoughts what, what do you got yeah the, you know i was um before I even uh, looked at this game, I, I was all set to say, yeah, Ohio State, they're, they're a four-and-a-half-point four favorite, Ohio State, because they're just the more talented team. But they have uh, some big issues, I think, on the offensive line, and especially when it comes to pass protection. And as it just so happens, Penn State is one of the best teams in the country at getting after the quarterback. And so the more I kind of chewed on this, the more I'm thinking, you know what? I think Penn State is kind of primed to pull off an upset here because I think they can generate enough negative plays. Um, I think they can harass Kyle McCord just enough that they that they go in there and pull off the upset. And so that's, that's just the one area, um, you know, Ohio State's offensive line against Penn State's defense where I think uh, the Lions have a big enough edge that that's going to make a difference in the game. So I'm picking the upset here and taking Penn State. What do you think? Uh, I think Ohio State has the best skill position in the Big Ten, but uh, I wasn't overly impressed with their lines when they played Maryland. You know, I, I think you've consistently said all year that Michigan is the – most balanced team in the Big Ten, and I agree on that. Penn State, um, I, you know, they they have they have talent. We'll see if they can ever win this type of game. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean this this is the type of game that you know traditionally lately they do not win. Uh, they they've lost six straight against Ohio State, ten of eleven. So. You know, that, that that's not exactly trending great for them. On the other hand, maybe now is when they're due. I mean, I really don't like Penn State's offense. Don't like it at all. Um, I mean, Drew Allar, you know, he, he's he's been okay. Um, uh, maybe he'll get a little better. This is just his first year as a starter, so we'll see. But, um, you know, I, I don't think there's anything to fear about their offense. Um, and Ohio State's defense is pretty good. So I would expect kind of a low-scoring game. But, um, you know, I just uh, – that that lopsided matchup on at the line of scrimmage um, when Ohio State has the ball, uh, when, when I looked at that, that just kind of set off the red lights and said, you know what, I, I, I see an upset coming here. Uh, Washington State at Oregon. Yeah, so I, you know, I, I certainly think Oregon's going to bounce back here. I looked at the spread on this one. The Ducks are a twenty-point favorite, which seems hard to believe considering it was only two, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Washington State was ranked number thirteen in the country. They had 
just come off that big win against Oregon State. And, you know, maybe they've kind of taken a hard fall since then. They did have, you know, it was a tough loss. Uh, They had the week after that at UCLA. Um, But then they got absolutely curb stomped by Arizona um, Saturday. And we talked about Arizona last week. And I told you, I'm like, keep an eye on them. Uh, They're kind of, uh, they're sneaky good this year, I think. And, you know, they're they're obviously not going to be in play for the Pac-12 title. But uh, I think they're going to give some teams a headache. Uh, You know, they did that to... uh, you know, USC just the week before, and then they go up to Pullman and look what they did. 44 to six was the final score. Um, Wazoo got a touchdown on their first possession, and then it was just all downhill after that. So I'm just kind of scratching my head wondering what happened to Washington State, their offense. Um, I I don't know that Arizona's defense is that good. Um, you know, and uh, it was on the Pac-12 network, so obviously hardly anybody got to watch that game. But, you know, just looking at the box score, um, it seemed like, you know, um, Washington State turned the ball over and things just kind of snowballed on them and it got out of control. Um, so, you know, they seriously need some a, a get-well formula. And I don't think making a trip to Eugene, Oregon to – uh, face a wounded animal duck squad that can't afford another loss is really the recipe for getting healthy. So um, I'm going to take the ducks in that one. Um, I, I'm even going to take them to cover the 20. Uh, Tennessee at Alabama. Yeah. So, you know, I don't, I don't know how much anybody's been paying attention to Tennessee, but Chris, did you know that they are a running team now? Uh, I did not. <laughs> yes. Listen to this. They uh, they averaged 231 rushing yards per game. That is sixth in the country. Meanwhile, they only averaged 212 and a half passing yards per game, and that's just 87. Hmm. Yeah. So right. the obviously you know that would seem to indicate that the the transition they've made from Hendon Hooker to Joe Milton at quarterback hasn't exactly been seen. Um, you know, we haven't seen much of them since that tough loss they took in Florida. I did actually watch uh, the game uh, against uh, Texas A&M. And, you know, it, they are definitely struggling in the passing game, but they're making up for it uh, by, you know, they, they've really transformed uh, quite a bit and uh, are quite a, have quite a lethal running game. And their defense is actually quite improved as well. Um, thing is, I'm not sure if that's the formula, you know, if that's the kind of team you want to be if you're going to take down Alabama. Um, you know, it seems to me, you know, the, the way to attack them is the way Texas did. And that's with, uh, you know, the, the, the deep passes. And, uh, you know, then you mix in a little bit of the run and, um, you know, kind of wear them down the way Texas did. Texas really didn't run the ball well in that game until the fourth quarter. Um, so I, if t- um, Tennessee thinks they're going to just be able to go in there and control the line of scrimmage against Alabama's defense for all four quarters, I don't think that's a formula for success. 
I do think that it can be a close game. Uh, Alabama's a nine-point favorite. Alabama just doesn't blow anybody out anymore. They still win, but they don't blow anybody out. They don't dominate anybody uh, on the scoreboard. And so uh, I'm going to split this one. I think Tennessee covers, but Alabama wins. Uh, ACC, Duke at Florida State. Yeah, so this one, um, I'm, I'm – doing a little bit of crystal balling again in this, uh, in this game. And uh, I think my confidence comes down to whether or not Riley Leonard, uh, the Duke quarterback uh, plays in this game. Um, He suffered a high ankle sprain in the Notre Dame game two weeks ago and didn't play uh, last week at Penn state. Um, I mean, his backup, you know, he got the job done, but uh, you know, it didn't exactly look pretty. Um, the reports indicate that Leonard might come back and play this week. I'm going to roll the dice here and say that he's going to play. Um, I don't think they necessarily want to risk a serious injury to him, but at the same time, everything is still on the table for Duke. They don't have any losses in the ACC yet. And obviously this is a big game. So, you know, uh, getting to the ACC title game and, uh, you know, potentially getting a playoff berth is still in front of them. Now, realistically, I don't think it's likely because they have to play. They've got this game at Florida State. They've also got Louisville and North Carolina. All three of those games on the road. That's a tough gauntlet that they're going to have to get through. Realistically, I don't think they do it. But as long as it's still on the table, I think Riley Leonard's going to come back and play. And so for that reason, along with Duke's defense, I think they keep this game close. Um, FSU is a 14-and-a-half-point uh, favorite. So I think that's a, that's a little bit much. Um, so, again, I, I, I think Duke can cover two touchdowns there, but Florida State should win this one. And our last game, look after the week, uh, Utah at USC. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're on the topic of injured quarterbacks. And so with Utah, um, you know, Cam Rising hasn't played all year. And frankly, I don't think he's going to play, um, even if he is able to come back. And, and as it turns out, he did more than just tear his ACL in the Rose Bowl um, back in January. Uh, he also suffered a torn meniscus, and I think he tore another ligament in his knee. It was it was a more serious injury, it sounds like, than what was initially reported. Um, so I think, uh, you know, it doesn't sound like – I don't expect him to play uh, against USC. And honestly, I think at this point um, – he may not play at all this year and try to get a medical red shirt, which if he doesn't play all season, he would be eligible for and would probably get. On the other hand, if he returns to play, like, you know, maybe in the last one or two games, uh, he would be, he would not be eligible to come back next year on a medical red shirt. Um, you know, this is, it would actually be his seventh season if he comes back next year because 2020 didn't count. So I, I don't, think we're going to see Cam rising at all for Utah this year. And their offense has really suffered for that. Um, they, you know, they, they still do okay running the ball, but they're only, uh, you know, they're averaging 322 yards of total offense per game. That's 114th of the country. And they only average 4.8 yards per play. That's 123rd in the country. Um, so that, 
that doesn't necessarily um, you know, give me a lot of confidence uh, in them as far as being able to get back. Not to, not necessarily get back, but stay in that mix of teams that are going to be playing for the Pac-12 title. Um, now, looking at the other side at USC, um, I mean, that was just an absolutely hideous display at Notre Dame last week. It really, it wasn't on their defense. It was on the offense. They, um, Caleb Williams had three interceptions in the, uh, for, in the first half. They, they fumbled on another time. They fumbled twice in the second half. Um, you know, four of their five turnovers set up Notre Dame touchdowns. Here's an interesting t- statistic. We talk about how terrible USC's defense is. They only gave up uh, 251 yards of offense to Notre Dame in that loss, but yet they lost 48 to 20. The reason was USC, one, they turned the ball over and set Notre Dame up with short fields, and two, their kick, uh, their kick and punt coverage teams were terrible that day. So Notre Dame was constantly on short fields. So I would guess, you know, maybe they would have given up a, a ton of yards if they hadn't turned the ball over so much. Um, but anyway, so, so back to this game. It, it's kind of a contrast in styles. Uh, you know, Utah, their defense has still been excellent, and that's the reason why they're 5-1 and one and they're not out of the picture in the Pac-12. Um, Caleb Williams, despite having a brutal day um, last Saturday, is still Caleb Williams. I worry about their offensive line. Uh, Notre Dame just harassed him something awful all night. Um, they're, they're not what they were last year when it comes to being able to protect Caleb Williams. Um, this, this kind of sets up as a, uh, I think this will play out the way Utah wants, and it'll be a low scoring game. It'll be a close game, but I still think USC pulls it out. Um, and the Trojans are a touchdown favorite at home. Um, I think it'll be a close one that Utah will cover, but I think, I think the Trojans pulled this out late. There was a game last year when um, USC went up to Oregon State, and it was by far their worst offensive game of the season. Uh, They only scored 17 points, uh, which was far and away their lowest point output the entire season last year. But they still won the game because they got a touchdown near the very end of the game to pull it out. They won 17-14. I think this game's going to kind of play out similar to that. Good stuff from Mike. Check out his uh, most recent article at the site uh, probably tomorrow or Friday. At the, uh, I might even have it up tonight. We'll maybe see. up, maybe up tonight. It's only, uh, it's only like, yeah, uh, not even seven o'clock here on the West Coast, so uh, I'm, I'm not ready to call it a day just yet. So check that out, BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com, uh, and enjoy the uh, college football this weekend. We'll be back next week to discuss. Take care. Have a good one. All right. Look forward to talking to you next week.